Welcome to Views from the Porch, a podcast where we explore what it looks like to survive and thrive in your young adult years. Each week, we talk about the biggest challenges facing young adults today and how to overcome them from God's Word based on our weekly experience in leading thousands of young adults at the porch. For more info on the porch, visit theporch.live. Thank you for joining. Hey guys, welcome to Views from the Porch. It's your boy JP here with my friend David Marvin. What's up, guys? And Elena Haas. Hey, guys. How we doing? What are we talking about today? Doing good. Hey, we are kicking off a couple of topics that are coming from a brand new book that I have been reading. Can't put it down. It really, it really, honestly is, is uh, great writing and reading. And it's your book. It's funny you say that because I saw it on your desk and I took a closer look and the plastic wrap was still on it. It hadn't actually been wow, opened. Wow. You said you couldn't put I'm, it down. I'm using the Kindle version. <laughs> you mean, oh, the, the Kindle. Uh, the, Kindle. Yeah. the Kindles are huge these days. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Who big, is Kindle? <laughs> big fan, Kindle, and uh, you know who you are. But uh, hey, you got a book coming out September 4th, and there's uh, really three chapters that I want to spend this podcast and the next chapter covering. Uh, we'll cover all of them at some point, or a lot of the co- topics inside of the book at some point, but... We would love to dive in, and if you are interested in getting JP's book, Welcome to Adulting, it is going to be released September 4th, which should be tomorrow, because it should be released on September 3rd, and you can find that wherever books are sold. Go pre-order yours, heads up. The first uh, order already sold out, which is crazy, dude. How awesome is that? Go God. But uh, September 4th. So yeah, all that to say, what I thought we'd talk about today, unless you guys got something else you want to talk about, was... uh, uh, directly from the first couple of chapters in the book on life and on purpose. So you have read it. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Dude, I've footnoted, highlighted and uh in awesome. the book I would just say hey, here's the heartbeat. Thank you for saying those kind things and the heartbeat behind this is just, you know, the things I've learned in the past 10 years. So much I've learned from our senior pastor here Todd uh who God has used to change my life radically. And um honestly, I you know, I don't care if you you buy the book. Uh I I'd ask you to pray for it, uh, that God would use it and put it in the hands of everyone that um, it would be helpful to. So excited to see it be helpful. Man, it's awesome, dude. Well, in the book, you know, as it relates to Todd, you talk about a, a moment that that has been referred to as the lake house story when we talk about it. And it was a moment where you were not on staff at the church. You'd recently kind of become a Christian. And it, in uh, your mind, as you explain it, was a pivotal moment. So I'd I mean, tell us a little bit about what happened there and, and why that was so significant. Yeah, so just to back up, I mean, I'm, I made all the mistakes I, I think so many of us made and, and make. Is when I went into college, I had all of the freedom of a, of a new college student. Um, I lacked some of the maturity. The temptation that has always been there w- was there, but it was paired, uh, coupled with this freedom. And so I made some epic fails. I mean, just truly bit into the world, uh, pursued, you know, they say drug, sex, and rock and roll. Uh, it was drug, sex, and hip-hop in my case, and so just loved the party, uh, loved the freedom that I'd feel when we'd walk into a place with a bunch of people that I didn't know, just didn't know what was going to go down, could get in a fight, could take a girl home, uh, what you know, I was going to get drunk, uh, I was going to make a bunch of memories that I'd forget before the next day, and so it was just like that thrill of that, almost like when you pull into Vegas, that's, that's what it felt like every night um, in college. 
And so I thought that's where life was. So when I moved to Dallas, it was just more of that. I moved five times all within one mile of Lower Greenville, which was the bar scene, the club scene, the uptown of the time, and just still continue to love that party and the bottle service and Coke every now and then, ecstasy every now and then, weed every now and then, and always alcohol and sex. And um, I went to this lake house. A friend invited me to his lake house. He was a believer. He was a guy at church. I, st- I had started going to a church, and God was beginning to pursue my heart and woo my heart. And I didn't know what to expect to go to a lake house with a bunch of older men. And they had been playing golf, but they were all sober. Nobody had been drinking. And so we walk in, and just the lake house itself was pretty amazing. Uh, and I, you know, as, as being someone who struggled with materialism or struggles with materialism, I was just like, man, this is what does this guy do? You know, that's kind of what you think. And I went, and I just had the best time. And it's so difficult to put into words. I laughed until I cried multiple times, just deep belly laugh, uh, gut laugh. We talked about things that were meaningful. It wasn't this like surface level, shallow, like tailgate conversation where we're both drunk. You know, I love you. I love you too. It was just like this really meaningful, rich conversation about changing the world. And the guys that were there, like I thought, man, these guys might be able to do it. They might actually be able to change the world. And so I, it, we, we played cards and we played poker. I don't even know if we played for money. We ate steaks and we laughed a ton and we talked about things that mattered. And there was this one guy there that I heard was a pastor. I knew he was a pastor because I'd been to visit his church. And he was so different though. He wasn't like this uptight, you know, careful with his words kind of guy. He was just real, but I could tell that he loved Jesus. He radiated love for Christ. And as I hung around him, there was just something about his personality that was magnetic. And um, I, I, you know, honestly, I just wanted what these men had. And uh, I couldn't sleep that night because I was just, my heart was racing because I had so much fun. I woke up the next day. I called my best friend at the time who was still hung over and, um, you know, kind of groggy voice answered the phone. And I just said, hey, I found it. Like, we've been missing it, man. I found where life is. And I began to tell him about that. And those, honestly, God used that in my life. Yeah, it was indeed, as you said, a pivotal moment. And I don't know if you said this, but that pastor was who? Todd Wagner. So yeah, now now we work together and you know, God has used him to both bring me into the faith and uh, bring me into ministry, grow my faith. It's It's been amazing just to serve Christ under him. Yeah, long before you even came on staff, right? Wasn't it a couple of years? Yeah, it was years before I was on staff. Like I had just visited the church and this guy who put this weekend together invited me. And I found out later that they would invite somebody who wasn't a believer, you know, like somebody just kind of as a missional experience. It was all these guys who oh, were no. running hard after Jesus. And they're like, okay, we're going to bring in one lost person. I was like, well, who was the lost person my year? And everybody was real quiet. And uh, like, it was oh, you. Oh, I was the lost person. Dude, that is funny. Well, I, that is so contrasted to what, most young adults' experiences as it relates to where they think fun is, life is found, you know, what's going to bring you, um, for lack of a better way of saying it, the, the best high. And, um, and because like you said, most people are chasing all the different things that you've chased, yeah. that many of us have chased. And so as it relates to young adults today, where are most people looking to find life, do you think? Yeah, I would just look at where I look to find it. And so, man, if you're out there and you're listening and you're living with some guilt and shame because you know you slept with your significant other this past weekend. You're struggling in some real ways. Alcoholism is, is gripping your heart. Um, you love the party, the bar. Man, I get it. I understand where you're at, okay? You're trying to find you're, – you're watching movies. You're like, hey, I want to live the hangover. I want to live entourage. I want to live, you know, just the, the party scene. And I, I get it. Like, I, I understand where you're at. I've been there. 
And I would just tell you to taste and see that the Lord is good. And that's what happened for me. And I'm not delusional. I'm not crazy. I'm completely sober right now. And I'm telling you that everything I found in Christ is better than anything the world has to offer. And you need to know that and you need to believe that because you can keep drinking from the world and, um, you know, you're going to wake up empty and wondering, There's get, you're going to say, you know, this thing I, I've heard people say, there's got to be more to life than this. And the reason you think that is because there is, and it's so much more. And so uh, I think they look for life in the adventure of you know going out at night, uh, hitting the bar, hitting the club, uh, through dating apps, you know, wondering, hey, who's responded to my post, um, to my profile, who's liked me, who's messaged me, counting likes on you know um, Instagram trying to find significance in the world, looking for a job they love because they hate their job, just continuing to you know go from place to place to place, trying to find meaning. And some of them, man, you laughed hard this past weekend. You laughed hard. You got drunk. You could, took a couple shots of Patron. You laughed. And you're like, you, you hear me talking about a good laugh. You're like, I laughed. I had fun with my friends. But here's the I didn't wake up with a hangover. I didn't wake up with any regrets. I didn't wake up with any decision that's going to impact the rest of my life for the for the negative. Only positive, only good. That's what was different. Man, it's good. I, hey, I'm going to read a quote that I think sums it up directly from the book, and, and I want you to elaborate anything else you'd say on it. But I, I think it just really captures what we talk a lot about at the porch, what we see. If you're honest enough to really look around and, and look objectively, you see, and you say this, quote, We've been sold a lie that sets us up for failure. The world, the media, even our own internal desires tell us that the way to be happy is to pursue things like money, sex, fame, power, and material possessions. The economy of the United States is even built around it. The fact is that we have more things than anyone has ever in history had before. We're richer, we have more cool stuff, and the ability to do almost anything we want with almost anyone we want and not be judged for it. Yet studies show we're statistically less happy and more depressed than ever before. We pursued happiness and found ourselves sadder than any generation that has ever lived. Dude, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, just, okay, right? What is there to talk about? That we're, we're doing things to try to be more and more happy, and we're being sadder and sadder, more depressed, more empty. Uh, we've lost the meaning of life. As we move away from God's values, uh, what, what, is, what is replaced is decay and rot. And so look at a country, you know, that pursues... The values of Christianity, the biblical values, it thrives, um, people find life, there's joy there, and whenever that leaves, you know, you're left with the red light district in Amsterdam. I mean, you're, re- you're left with rotting, decaying, and that happens at an individual level too. Uh, if you are in a place where you just feel like, man, you just feel kind of busy and bored, like you're constantly doing things, the schedule's full, but the days are empty. I would encourage you to turn to the one who said, I've come so that they might have life and have it to the fullest. This John 10, chapter 10. I learned a lot from my friend David here. And so we've been doing ministry how long? Uh, seven years? Seven years. Seven, seven or eight. Yeah, seven years. And so just, you know, one time we were sitting with a friend, David and I were, and God has really preserved her life. And just she's followed Christ faithfully through college and after college. And I just said, hey, tell me, convince me why that's better than my story, which I knew it was. Uh, I just wanted to hear her words. I love what she said. I'll never forget it. She said, I have, I have less, I don't have the scars you do. And uh, man, that's true. Like the memories that I've lived, they're just, you know what they are today? They're meaningless memories. 
the bar fights, the girls I've slept with, the times I woke up hungover, the adventure, the so-called adventure. It's you wake up from that dream and you're like, man, that was all kind of pointless. That was all kind of stupid. Like, why, why did I keep doing the same thing over and over and over and call it life? And you know what I didn't do? We didn't, I never backpacked through Europe. I mean, I never went on an international discipleship trip to Haiti. I never went to Africa. And I just, I just went to the bar and the club and I called it life. <laughs> Stupid. Yeah, wasted, wasted years. So on the other end of the spectrum is the ways that people are looking for life and they're missing it. Um, so we get the party scene, you know, the bar, the clubs. Another way that is, is tragically common and yet um, it's almost heralded in our culture is something called the American dream. Something you mentioned in the book, and, and we talk about it at the porch if you listen there, is that um, the American dream is too small of a thing to shoot for or how it's, it's those who trade in the American dream for something so much better that actually found life. Now, let me hit pause, and I want, I want you to, while I do this, I want you to elaborate on that because the American dream is really an amazing thing. Uh, you know, we live in a country that has more freedom, oh, you know, people that climb the ladder of the, that's something that everyone in the world would say is a good thing. And I know you're not throwing the entire thing out. You're just, you're saying what? No, I mean, capitalism and freedom and I mean, and, and where I'm immediately moved to is just to think about those who've given their life so that we can experience freedom. I have tremendous gratitude for the country that we live in. Uh, it is where we make secondary things ultimate that's when it becomes problematic. And so when we're living, when you live for the American dream, meaning you work a job that you can't stand to make as much money as you possibly can, that you don't have time to spend, it's being delivered to your front door in the form of Prime Now packages, and you're trying to find a spouse, convince somebody to spend the rest of your life with you so that you can live in the suburbs, have a white picket fence, a German shepherd, and two kids, uh, I think you missed your purpose. And God says, for we are God's workmanships created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he's prepared in advance for us to walk in. And so God has these good works that he wants you to walk through, and it's why he made you. And it's, it's where you find your purpose as you give your life away for his glory. And everything that you do is for him. That's really what happened in, in um, my conversion story when I trusted in Christ believing upon his death and resurrection for the forgiveness of my sins. It's like the scales fell from my eyes, David, and I began to see like, wow, everything that I thought was important wasn't important. And all of this stuff, it's not going to be here 200 years from now. Uh, at least I won't be able to enjoy it. It's all rather meaningless outside of knowing God and making him known. How can I live a life full of trusting him and obeying his commands and find life there? And I would just, again, I just would tell you, I'm a guy who's found life there. Yeah, it's good. Well, on that subject of purpose, um, it kind of brings me to the next thing I wanted to talk about in this 20, 25 minutes that we have, which is around the idea of discovering your purpose. And um, before we go there, in the book, you reference a, uh, a German commercial that I think is an illustration for what tragically is happening all too often in people's lives. Uh, and, and here's the... Uh, Illustration. I used this in Houston last week, by the way. Oh yeah. And uh, and I never. Uh, I told it. It was kind of an interesting case study. I okay. told. I just basically like set up. Like, here's what happened. I didn't show the clip. Didn't show any pictures. Yeah. And the response, like people were engaged. They followed along the whole time. But basically, I'll tell it like I did there, uh, in the book. This comes from his book in chapter two on purpose. That uh, 
there's a, a online video clip. It's a commercial in German that went viral a few years ago, and it's basically a woman who gave her dad and her elderly dad uh, an iPad, and uh, she gave him the iPad and hopes that he would use it, and you know if if uh, he would download some apps and kind of be more technologically connected. She shows up one day and she asks if he'd gotten a chance to use the iPad or try out any new apps. And everyone listening knows what an app is, of course. And he replies with, well, what's an app? And, uh, and then he pulls out the iPad and he pulls up some like tomatoes or bell peppers and he just begins chopping on it and cutting away at these vegetables. And he uses the iPad as a, as a cutting block or butcher block, if you will. And she's watching like just in horror, you see. And then he takes the iPad dirty and he washes it in the sink and he puts it in the dishwasher. And, uh, and the reason that we've, you know, you wrote about that and, and used it as an illustration before is because it's funny and it's painful to watch, but it's such a perfect display what? of failing to use something for its purpose. Why? Yeah, I was going to say, why do you think it's painful to watch? Because you know, an iPad was created by Steve Jobs in order to be used for something so much bigger and better than a cutting board. Yeah, when somebody's using an iPad for a cutting board and they're rinsing it off under the water, and the, it, it, an iPad makes a pretty good cutting board. Um, but the reason that we shrink back is because we're like, man, it's valuable, and you just ruined it for what it was intended for. And how much more valuable are you? How much more valuable you know, did God make you and the, the purposes that he made you for that when we you know, plug into this world and we begin to try to just experience as much fun and pl- momentary pleasure as we possibly can, we live for ourselves, we're just like that iPad under the, the water faucet that's being ruined and, and corrupted and uh, not living out its purpose. Yeah, it's tragic to watch. It, it's, it is tragic to live, is what I would say. It is tragic to live, indeed. Totally. So as it relates to discovering your purpose... Because by that, we mean high level. The Bible talks about what? what high level is the purpose before I, I go deeper onto how do I personally find my purpose. But, but when I say, hey, we were all created for a high level purpose no. biblically. To glorify God or to know him and make him known. There's a lot of different ways to say it. But I would just, or to walk in the good works, which he's prepared in advance for you to walk in. That's good. And, uh, and then underneath that, there's kind of some more specific or nuanced ways that you talk about that we can flesh that out for individuals to discover, hey, how, what am I best suited for? How can I best bring glory to God? And you use an acronym, I think that is Rick Warren's? Yeah, Rick yeah. Warren came up with it. Called SHAPE. And so uh, we'd love to spend a little bit of time. I think this will be really helpful if you're listening and you're wondering, how do I discover my big, uh, my purpose individually as it relates to making God known and, um, and using the gifts and talents? So it's SHAPE. Each letter stands for something, and, and let's talk about it. So the S. So S-H-A-P-E. And the S is spiritual gifts, and these are God-given gifts. They're referenced in the scriptures, uh, maybe teaching or evangelism. You may have the gift of hospitality. Uh, the scripture gives us a, a list of these gifts uh, for us to look at. We see them in First Corinthians and First Peter, and uh, and so we can put a collective list together. You can just do a quick Google search. You know, what are spiritual gifts? It will give you a list, and you try to identify. Hey, these are the ones that these are gifts that God gave me for Himself. And the Holy Spirit operates in my life through these gifts, assuming that you are a Christian, that you're a Christ follower. Uh, the H is for heart. It says, hey, what are my passions? What do I love? Uh, what, what are the things that I enjoy doing? Uh, ability, A is for abilities. This is what am I good at? This, you know, I've heard it said well. This is the what do I run a five-minute mile in? Like anybody can run a nine-minute mile, but to run a five-minute mile, that you had to be made to run and 
And so it's what are the things that I'm better at than most people? Those are your abilities. P is your personality. Uh, this is are you introverted? Are you extroverted? Um, are you, you know, uh, really charismatic? Or are you a little quieter on the quieter side? Do you like to sit at your desk and work through Excel spreadsheets? What is your personality? And then lastly, E is your experience, which I think is really key because this is Romans 8, 28. You know, God can take the things um, that, that are not good in our life and bring about good from them for those who love him. And so this can be anything. This can be uh, that you grew up in Sunday school and you've walked with Christ as long as you can remember, or this can be that abortion, um, you know, your spotted past, your promiscuity, uh, addictions, uh, whatever your experiences are, they sh- that shapes who you are. That's good, man. So why does this tool and this kind of self-discovery with what you were made for matter so much? Because, I th- I, you know, you think about we're all individuals that, are different in every way. I mean, are not in every way, but we're all have every single one of us are different and in some ways. And so that's when I think that God made us for purpose, it's like God's putting together this dream team, if you will, uh, of his followers. And he wants us to work together. And uh, the scriptures talk about this, just being a part of the body of Christ. And you think about, um, you know, your arm or your leg or your eye or your mouth and what its purpose is. Well, as we exist in the body of Christ and Christ is the head, then we kind of snap into place and we're building this force. It's the strongest force the world has ever seen. Jesus talks about it in Matthew 16. And so we're becoming a part of that strong force uh, operating in our gift, our gift mix. And I think a big problem for 20 and 30 somethings is they're looking to find their purpose, what they were created for. And I think understanding how you were created and the journey that you've been on is key to understanding why you were created in the more specific way, outside of just glorifying God, knowing him and making him known, but specifically, how does God want you to serve him? What gifts did he give you to use for him? So here's here's the only thing, and this may have even, I missed it in the book, but when I look at that tool, I think it, everything you said with is so true, it's so valuable, knowing yourself, knowing the purpose you were made for, knowing the individual nuanced you know, ways that God wired you. But to the person who's out there going, hey, what are my spiritual gifts? Uh, what am I good at? Because a lot of people don't realize that they think they're good at something. They're like the guy on American Idol who's oh, singing, man. and you're like, oh, that's painful. Uh, what am I? As they're trying to explore, how would you encourage them um, to uh, to navigate each of those, whether it's spiritual gifts, heart, abilities? I have an idea, but I would love to hear you elaborate a little bit on what how, step. How would I have them navigate it? What, tell me your idea. It might spur a thought. Well, I would just do it in community. I would say, as you look at these and you begin to say, man, this is how God made me. <clears throat> like, uh, I have a friend who uh, I remember having a conversation with him where he was like, dude, I, I just, I'm more of a risk taker. Yeah. And he was saying that. And, and all he was saying it in the context of a, a few of us guys who were in a small group at that time. And we were all like, no, you're not. Yeah. You you are that guy who are, we need you. You're you self aware. Yes, yeah. you keep everything every uh, duck in a row, and and you just keep everything in order, and you like uh, having a, a less chaos. And uh, or the person who is thinking, I'm really good at teaching. I hear this all the time from young guys as it relates to spiritual gifts, and uh, and they'll say things like, I I just feel like I have the spiritual gift of teaching. So what would you say to that, or even just spiritual gifts? In general, is there a way to to know, like, man, I, I do think this is uh, the spiritual gift that God has given me? 
So yeah. that's what I meant by community yeah. is, hey, I would have others affirming it. Yeah, so I, I think you're I think you're completely right, David. Um, th- the body, I'll go back to the body metaphor. And so imagine if I, like, we're, we're David and Elena and I are all sitting at a table. Imagine if I took a, a kidney and I just slapped it on this table, right? I'd have some questions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what did I do last night? Yeah. <laughs> Where did that come from? It's gross. Like we'd all be like, "Oh, you'd be repulsed." You move back, you're like, "Oh, that's so gross," uh, because it's not where it's supposed to be. And um, that that kidney outside the body is gross. Inside the body, it's beautiful, and, and it's it uh, is conducive to life, and it it serves a function, and it operates your whole life, right? And so the same is true for the individual when they exist outside of community. Uh, they may think. You know, the the worst thing for that kidney is if it thought it was a heart, you know, and it tried to play the role of a heart. It's not. There's going to be death there if you you know move the kidney into the place of a heart. That's going to bring about death. And so I think it's very important for us to understand our gifts, how God made us, uh, where we're to serve, what we're to do. And I do think that you hit on the key to that is just having other people in our lives that can be honest with us. We've also you you said it earlier, like the American Idol clip where the guy thinks he can sing and everybody's looking at him like, brother, somebody has not been honest with you, man. You have no talent whatsoever in the singing department. You sound like Kermit the Frog. And that cat needs a friend, man. He needs community. And and the same is true for you know some folks that are listening right now that that you know you may be working in the wrong job or, or trying to to be someone that you're not and so yeah that's good love it man well that should be enough as it relates to purpose i just want to say it again it's shape and you can find more about that in this book and you could even probably look up rick warren may have something of spiritual gifts what has god given you a heart for would be the h abilities that you have personality and experiences the story that god's written inside of your life are some of the ways that you may be able to discover the unique um, purpose, calling that God may have for you beyond just what he calls all of us to, which is to know him, to make him known. And so that's all I got. Anything else uh, either of you would add before we wrap up here? Yeah, I would just say, you know, Eric Reese, um, who I don't know personally, he wrote a book called Shape. It's forwarded by Rick Warren. And, um, and it is also in the book, Welcome to Adulting, which comes out tomorrow. Come on. Love it. That's it for me. All right, guys. Y'all have fun. We'll see you next week. We want to thank you for listening to Views from the Porch. For more information about The Porch Ministry, visit us at theporch.live or follow us on social media at The Porch.